0: The before and after photos that I put up, it's really, you know, my body around that like 19, 20 year old state where I was still um, quite small and getting away with eating whatever, to now where I look after myself and I eat really well and I train probably five days a week. Um, And I'm bigger now and I definitely weigh more and everything like that, but I'm actually a lot happier. Um, in my mind, so I, I would consider myself a lot healthier now than I was back
1: then. I just have a lot of feelings. And I'm gonna to talk to you about the unintended consequences social media is having on your mental health. Is it genetic?
0: Oh Christ. How on earth can you have a problem with anxiety, Jordan, when you are so confident on stage?
2: But I don't want to go among mad people. Oh,
0: you can't help that.
3: Almost everyone's mad here. Ken, would you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister's going to jail.
4: Beauty standards aren't anything new. As a young teenager, I wanted nothing more than to look as if I'd just been peeled off of a Sofia Coppola set. Like, who knows? Sofia Coppola? (laughs) Sofia Coppola? Who knows? (laughs) Anyway, who knows? (laughs) Like like Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie's gaunt, sexy love child. But with the birth and rise of social media, the ideal body is everywhere and the women that have them aren't just big shot celebrities anymore. They're girls next door.
1: Or when it comes to Instagram, girls in the explore tab with a downloadable fitness regime, a killer smoothie recipe and flawless skin. In many ways, social media is an enabler when it comes to tapping into the struggles of individuals with eating disorders. The never-ending showreel of skinny, fit, primed women plants dangerous seeds in the minds of those most vulnerable.
4: Activist and actor Jamila Jamil recently appeared on Channel 4 News' The Latest Ways to Change the World podcast, discussing how social media has perpetuated the pressures to look perfect, reflecting on her own experiences with anorexia.
3: I had an eating disorder, I didn't eat a meal between the age of 14 and 17, I didn't menstruate for three years because I was starving myself to fit into an ideal. I was a a smart kid, I was a scholarship child, I also had a music scholarship, I had all these different talents and gifts, none of which I thought were important, none of which I remotely cared about because I still felt like I would never be good enough unless I weighed six and a half stone.
0: Have you you processed that since and worked out why?
3: Oh, for sure, because I was bombarded with a narrative that, that had no alternative. There were never any women who were celebrated for their intellect. They're not given any attention in the press. I wasn't reading about wonderful astronauts or scientists or great musicians. I was just seeing highly sexualized pop stars who were very, very skinny on my TV, or I was seeing skeletal actresses who were obsessively their weight was obsessively spoken about and all of my magazines were selling weight loss products or telling me to be thin and also back then it was just celebrities who had that kind of pressure to look a certain way, but because of social media, it's even the playing field and now it's everyone, it's everyone. and everyone's got access to um, airbrushing, airbrushing which I think is one of the foulest things to have happened to women uh, in the last couple of decades. Despite Instagram,
1: Tumblr and Twitter banning terms such as hashtag Thinspiration and hashtag Thinspo in 2012, the proliferation of eating disorder propaganda, if you will, is still alive and well. It affects people in different
4: ways too. Like when we were in school, the term box gap was huge. Do you remember that? Yep, that was a time. (laughs) Even still, there is a Twitter account that has devoted itself solely to Cara Delevingne's thigh gap. It's crazy, right? At the
1: time when this was happening, this was like 2012, Mm. I remember thinking that it was ridiculous. I thought dieting was dumb, I didn't get it. But now that I'm in my 20s, I constantly think about thinness and health for the most part this manifests in many positive ways I eat well exercise and I generally feel a real sense of vitality but wait for it (laughs) there are a few moments earlier this year when I was dealing with binge eating disorder thanks to help from a psych I haven't had an episode for a few months but I want to sort of explain my experience with binge eating before we go into this episode I'd have an episode maybe twice a month, usually on a Sunday when I'm a little bit raw, bit hungover. My body, it, you, your body quite literally goes into autopilot and I'd find myself gorging on literally anything I could get my hands on, barely coming up for air. The end result would be me crying in pain from how much I'd consumed and ultimately taking measures to get it out of my system, which would leave me dazed, exhausted and unsure of what the fuck just
4: happened. And see, that's the thing with binge eating disorder and many other eating disorders. People have preconceived ideas about what those dealing with these issues look like. Many people hear about BED and imagine somebody who is overweight, in much the same way that when people conjure up an image of somebody who lives with anorexia, for example, they imagine an almost skeletal body. When in fact, disordered eating does not discriminate, and many people of different ages, genders, and sizes live with it. And truly, like there'd be times
1: when I tell people what I'd done mm. in a, when I was. I don't recovering feels really grim, like a grim word, but I guess it was that. And they would laugh and they say, Oh, I binged on the weekend too. It's like, no, mm. no, 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 no. I think it's very misunderstood. I agree. And I think that's why so many people were surprised when Instagram famous model Steph Claire Smith posted an emotional YouTube video explaining her experience with binge eating. I wrote an article about it at the time and heaps of people commented criticizing Steph's video saying things like you're a model you're beautiful you don't binge eat which was so
4: annoying to see. Basically due to Steph's job appearance and following people refused to believe that somebody in her position could really be suffering. Here's a little snippet of the video.
3: I suppose the really difficult thing that
0: I'm gonna talk about today is a problem that I have been kind of fighting for a long time. And it's not something that goes away. because still to this day there are days where it comes back and bites me in the bum. I started working out even more so than I already was. Um, I started to not want to eat out. I'd say no to friends inviting me out just because I wasn't in control of what I was going to be eating sometimes or like um, what was going to be in the foods or they wouldn't be
1: a healthy
3: option for me.
1: What I ended up doing was getting into an extremely bad habit. Of binge eating. We were blown away by Steph's bravery in coming out and discussing this issue, especially when her livelihood depends on projecting an image of health and wellness. As we've mentioned, Steph is a model. She's the face of Bondi Sands and the co founder of Keep It Cleaner, an online fitness community for women, as well as Midnight Co. and Soda Shades. She is very
4: busy we're chuffed to have her on no chill today having a candid chat about her experience navigating the complex and perhaps even damaging planes of instagram and what that looked like for her as a social media personality with an eating disorder
1: We're also going to be chatting to Erica Garatz. She has an amazing story. She has founded multiple multi-million dollar Australian businesses. One of them was Frank, which was that coffee scrub that everyone would scrub all over themselves and take nude selfies with. She changed tact a little bit in the last year and launched Fluff, which is a beauty brand that's looking to totally disrupt the industry. It's doing incredible stuff and it's for young women and the way that they're marketing it on Instagram is really interesting. So, we're going to chat to her as well. Steph, could you talk us through how you became so famous on Instagram? You've got like, have you got like a million followers?
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, one million and three. Uh, well, one point <laughs> three million. <laughs> one million um, one and three, three
1: hundred thousand, not one million. <laughs> three just three <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a
0: step up in my ass. But yeah, it's, it's very, very strange. I never, ever, 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 ever imagined myself to have so many followers. Um, and it's really hard to answer that question, though, of how it happened because it's been such a gradual thing. I've had Instagram now for almost six years, so pretty much as soon as it came out, um, I got onto it. But when I got it, I thought it was just a... Filter app, you know, to edit your photos to then put onto um, Facebook or anything else you had. Uh, so there was a hell of a lot of selfies, but yeah. the same selfie with lots of filters on it when it first started. <laughs> um, but then I started to understand that it was a more public thing, and I started following girls who had like ten thousand followers, so I started to follow all my my favorite, um, I don't know, supermodels and stuff that I looked after because I was brand new model at the time when I got Instagram. Um, it was my first year of modeling, so. All of that sort of stuff really excited me and I just thought it was so cool that you could follow people that you'd always wanted to have that kind of in on their life and I don't know, I was was just one of those young girls who really enjoyed um, seeing what people wore on their day-to-day, not just like what the magazines decided to put out there, I suppose, about people Um, and I just started sharing my own journey of starting out modelling and you know, my health and fitness journey and everything like that. And at the time, health and fitness uh, kind of uh, those inspirational accounts, um, they were really popular and they probably had like the most following at the time. And they were
1: reposting... Sorry to interrupt you. It was around the time because I remember. I remember coming across you because Instagram was quite small and you were you were like the first Australian fitnessy modelly girl, and you were this beautiful like young thing. And I think it was around oh, the time God. of like a box the box gap phenomenon. Do you remember <laughs> that? Oh, I really was
0: my gosh, yeah. <laughs> there like, was like this weird pressure of like everyone having this box gap that some people just genetically cannot attain. So yeah. it was a weird thing. Yeah, for sure. It was around that time. But um, it was just, it was just honestly, it was just those kind of accounts were reposting my images and that's how I suppose my account was getting out there and it's just, it's just gradually kept growing and slowly got to uh, what it is today. <laughs>
4: what was that sensation like having these accounts repost your images?
0: Um, it was it was weird at first, like but um but it was it was a cool feeling as but I never thought it would grow my account to what it has. Like I was growing I was following girls who had twenty thousand and thinking like, Oh my gosh, who is this person? <laughs> now they have so many followers, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, never imagined it <laughs> and it's still weird. Like I still I think if I saw million people in front of me um in person it it would really it would be quite scary but um, (laughs) yeah yeah but I think just because it's a number I don't really think about it
1: right and uh, Mm. how did that change do you get more obviously you would have gotten more jobs from followers because that's sort of how the modeling industry works these days would you not agree
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a a bit of both. So, definitely, I was really lucky in my first year of modeling. I was quite busy to start off with. Um, I was working with a lot of the commercial brands. I mean, I was just a fresh face. So... Um, I was really lucky in that way and I did I did land a few campaigns and stuff before my following started to grow. But the following helped a lot, definitely getting my name out there globally um, and for sure these days people, um, a lot of brands are looking at putting people in the window that the customer and the consumer that they have can relate to, I suppose. So um, more often than not, it's it's not really because of the number of people that follow us. In they're not looking at uh, following that way, but it's how we engage with... Um, with our followers and are our followers their consumer? Because yeah. if it is, then it's a good idea to have people like me on their windows or whatever, because then that consumer kind of recognizes me and and, and, and feels familiar. So that's, I suppose, how it's going. So obviously I'm very lucky that I do have the following and it has helped for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still like to think
3: that um i mean i still like to think that i'm still getting <laughs> the <same laughs> reasons.
4: Yeah. <laughs> amen i think we're, let's talk about that emotional 24 minute youtube video for a second how, oh yes <laughs> how did people respond to that
1: or maybe even before that uh, what was the impetus to post it yeah. just for people who aren't familiar with it
0: yeah okay so Um, well, basically, when I was around 20, I was living in the States for modeling and um, experiencing a whole new industry uh, market, I suppose, of the industry with a whole new pressure on myself. And it was the first time in my life, I mean, I'd always had, you know, tiny little insecurities, everyone kind of does, but never to the point where um, it really affected my mental health um, and the way I looked at myself. So um, that's kind of what happened. And I just decided that... I was becoming a lot more, uh, I suppose, raw to my following. I decided i I, I kind of owed it to them to be honest about everything. Um, and I knew that I had a lot of really young girls following me. and I kind of watched myself compare myself to others on social media um, and compare my life to theirs and everything like that. And I just knew that if I was doing that um, then the younger, younger female generation was probably doing it too and I knew that that was a lot of my following. So I suppose it was just me kind of jumping into that responsibility of being honest with them um, and hoping to make them feel like they weren't alone because it's, it's unbelievably common um, for girls. I mean, it's for guys as well, but it's unbelievably common for girls to go through Somewhat of an eating disorder or like food anxiety of any kind are very common and scary. As scary as it is, it's happening younger and younger these days. So I suppose I just wanted to put it out there that, you know, I I was happy to be, I, I don't know, a role model, I suppose, for people, but I wanted them to know that I hadn't, you know, always, I suppose. I can swear on the show, you had my shit together. Like, yeah. um, it's just, um, I, I, I don't want it to seem like my life is absolutely perfect and it's always been this way or whatever. Um, and when I started talking about that stuff, I just decided, all right, I've just got to tell this story because um, this was definitely my lowest point. Mm. And, I don't know, going through that and, and um, helping myself out.
4: It kind of um, sounds like you felt obligated to your followers, Yeah, to be I
0: did, I did. Yep. No, I, I really did. I did. I felt like it's it's like one of those things how people think if if you don't tell someone someone uh, something, sorry. Um, I see that as lying. Like <laughs> it, it's not. Um, and I so I felt like I was lying by not talking about it. Um, but it was weird because I was really scared to put it out there at first. I really wasn't sure how people were going to re- react to it. I wasn't sure how I suppose even the industry would react to it. Mm, mm. Um, but it. Got a really, really nice response,
1: which was, which was so nice because um, it was probably the most vulnerable I've ever felt, to be honest. Um, well, you put it out on the line. If you, we're yeah. going to play a little snippet of it so people can hear, but like, it's just raw emotion. Like you're, you're not holding back, and I think you can feel that for so many years you had this Instagram and you did become this Steph Claire Smith. It's his name that so many people know, and it probably felt a bit stifling, like you couldn't, maybe tell people that thing so it felt it it looks cathartic from the viewers point of view
0: thank you yeah, oh, I'm glad.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, you say that the response was quite positive and I'm, I'm sure that it was I'm sure you had a lot of like DMs of young girls just reaching out and thanking you for doing it what I found really interesting I wrote an article about it once you posted that video and I was really shocked by some of the negative comments that were on the post I saw I saw some girls that I knew that I was mutual friends with because you know when someone comments on a Facebook post it comes up on your news yes. feed so many of my friends commented on that article like that article blew up and a lot of them were saying oh come off it like Steph Claire Smith you say you binge eat like because you ate some peanut butter out of the jar because you you described some of the things you did and they had absolutely no idea of that is what a binge eating disorder is you know when you literally you describe how you couldn't control yourself and I found it yeah. really interesting how there was still you can still come out and have a 24 minute sort of like put your heart on the line and people can still find a way to find fault yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's just—it's just it's the, the way it is, really. Um, and I, I knew that that there was a chance that that sort of stuff was going to come from it, so um, I just kind of accepted it when it did. But it's—it's just one of those things. I, I think people don't talk about these sort of disorders um, enough that that the other people who may not have gone through anything like that don't understand the severity of them or like that there are so many different levels um, that people can go through and so many different ways they can go through it. So for me, like, because I was eating so strict. The way I was overeating, 100%. Like It was, it was healthy foods that I was eating, but the, where binge eating fell into it was the fact that I couldn't control myself. I could never stop myself. I would get depressed and upset with myself every time I did it afterwards, which was nearly every single day. I would then go ahead and punish myself in different ways. So it was that that kind of sick cycle that was the the problem it wasn't exactly what i was eating it was just how much and what how it was affecting my mental health i suppose
1: absolutely how it's how it leaves you, how it makes you feel and that feeling of not being in control i really like the yep. way you talk
4: about being raw online and there's a couple of posts you make that are called before and afters and are you able to describe to the audience what your before and afters look like
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, so my fitness journey, I suppose, is a little different to others. I've always been really sporty and really active. Um, When I was younger, though, I did get away with eating quite a lot of junk food. So I made the most of it. Made the most of my childhood metabolism, and I was really, um, I was really tiny and petite um, throughout high school. I had like no hips, no um, no boobs, no nothing. I was just a figure pretty much. Um, and it was really only when I started modelling and I hit nineteen where I started to develop my curves. Um, And I suppose, but for my womanly figure, like grow into that womanly figure. And I suppose everyone is totally different. There's girls who stay that athletic build their whole life. There's girls who start off curvier as a younger and then end up more athletic. There's so many different ways women change. But for me, it was going from really, really skinny um, to quite uh, like muscly and and, um, curly. it was scary for me at first because I was getting things like cellulite and stretch marks and all these different things that I was not used to. Um, and particularly in the modeling industry, I, I really questioned myself. Um, and I suppose that was through that time that I um, went through the same sort of struggle, which I talked about in that video. But the before and after photos that I put up, it, it's really, you know, my body around that like 19, 20-year-old state where I was still... Um, quite small and getting away with eating, whatever, to now where I look after myself and I eat really well and I train probably five days a week Um, and I'm bigger now and I definitely weigh more and everything like that, but I'm actually a lot happier Um, in my mind. So I I would consider myself a lot healthier now than I was back then. So I suppose I just put them out there to show people that it's not always about like how skinny you are or, you know, your goal weight isn't necessarily your skinniest and lightest way, it's it's whatever weight you are sitting at when you're living a happy
4: life. They're really refreshing because they're so different to your classic before and after, which is Uh, exactly the opposite of what you just said, which is like, I'm the happiest when I'm skinny. Look at how much weight I've lost. So it's really nice to go on your Instagram and see these photos where you seem... You do, you're right. You seem so much... You know, happier now, yeah. and it's it's great for your young audience to see that. You've also oh,
1: you. you've also got so much on, and Madison and I discuss this all the time with problems around eating or like when I get really really in my own head about eating. We realise that it takes energy away from being able to do work that's meaningful or work that fulfils me. Um, and I I reckon you'd feel the same, right? Because you've got like keep it cleaner with laura henshaw that's a fitness program for young girls you've got um soda shades you've got so many businesses and ambassadorships do you find that now that you're happier and healthier in who you are and your habits you've got more energy to focus on things that are really important
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, everyone knows that exercise brings endorphins, which is, like, happiness, and obviously takes energy, and good food is, like, fuel for yourself, so, of course, like, living um, healthier in a way of uh, exercise and eating has definitely made me more energized and, and ready to go when it comes to work and everything, but also, I, I've found that balance. I mean, uh, even at the start of this year, I had a bit of a, a moment where I... I didn't break down, but I was really stressed because we just had so much going on with work. Um, I wasn't... I, I suppose I was looking after myself in the exercise way and, and eating really well, but I wasn't looking after my mental health in the way of like doing things that I love still and, mm. and catch out with friends and family enough and all that sort of stuff. So I found that when I went out of that balance, um, that's when I... Started to spiral away and I, I didn't have the energy and, and everything that I needed to at work so for me finding um, a balance where I'm still enjoying myself I'm still seeing friends and family um, and I still have time to look after myself and go to the gym and all that sort of stuff it's all as important as each other and, and all of it together makes me work a lot better.
1: <laughs> Just for people who don't know could you explain to us what Keeper Cleaner is?
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so a Cleaner, we have a online fitness program. Uh, well, I suppose it's a health and, and lifestyle program, actually, because we kind of go into all these different pillars, as, a, as I just said. But it's targeted towards young girls, although we have, you know, girls from um, the age of 14 to women to 50 on there. So it's quite um, broad, but it is definitely targeted at that young, young woman kind of age. And I suppose the way it... it a little different to what else is out there is Laura and I, um, we're with the girls through every single workout. We we do the whole thing through them, We um, with them, sorry. We struggle through it with them. Um, we're not perfect. We're not mm-hmm. like, you know, these machine PTs that don't break a sweat when we do something. We, we'll show you that we're in pain and everything like that. And we've found that the girls really like that because... I suppose it makes them feel like when they're struggling, it's okay that they're struggling.
1: Because it's like when when you see Instagram people or people on Instagram posting like sweaty workout selfies, I sometimes look at them and think, oh, fuck, like, I don't sweat that much when I work out. Am I maybe not doing it right? So it's good that you show that you're actually like, this is hard and it never gets easier necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I suppose and with our recipes and everything like that, um, it's a budget-friendly um, meal plan. We want to make healthy eating and healthy living as easy and accessible as possible to anyone. So uh, we've made it really affordable, easy, easy as recipes. Neither of us are chefs or anything like that. So um, if we can do them, you guys can. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I suppose the other part of Keep a Clean area is our groceries line. So again, what we did was we've just tried to make healthy eating um, as affordable and accessible as possible. So we basically brought um, healthy products that you can trust into collective markets. So we tried to make it somewhere really accessible for everyone. Yes, I've um, seen those
1: bliss balls. I'm yet to try yeah, them.
0: What's your What's the best flavour? <laughs> Oh, my favourite's the choc hazelnut. um, Mm. (laughs) And we have a protein bar that is... I'm going to say the best
1: protein bar on the market. It's the best. Okay. I'll have to get some of those.
0: Big call, I know, but there's been a lot of people outside of Laura and myself who have said the same thing (laughs) The three,
4: The three extra followers you have. Yeah, the love (laughs) it. Now, Steph, you're really focused on being transparent. That's really obvious to us. Um because you also post what you call reality reminders. So can you also describe what they are to your to this audience?
0: Yeah, I suppose it's just Um, Again, I just don't want my following to think that they have to aspire to have some sort of perfect life that they might be seeing on Instagram. Um, Laura and I always talk, because we go go to a few schools now and, and do some school chats with younger girls, and we always talk about social media and how it's not just dangerous, or you know, comparing yourself and your physical appearance to what you see, but but also uh, um, comparing your life, mm-hmm. and particularly for a younger audience out there, like if they think that who they might be following, who it might be their whole entire job to post. Um, at a gym, post that they've gone to their sauna, post that they're getting a facial, and then post that they're at a cafe all in one day. Like, we don't want obviously, we don't want young girls thinking that that's like how they have to live their life, particularly when they're at school and they have no time or money for that. Um, so, I suppose for me, I'm just trying to be as real and relatable as possible, only for their sake, so that they're if they're going to be comparing anything, um, they know that there's still days where. I'm crying or I've worked out with a bunch of pimples because I had a splurge on the weekend um, with some girlfriends or all those sort of things. I just, I really like being real to them because um, I think it's just important that
4: they're aware that nobody's life is um perfect (laughs) for sure but i mean you're also a model and you're fit and you're beautiful and you're leading like a particularly glamorous life do you sometimes worry that um that uh, these sexy photos and what do you know what i mean like do you sometimes worry that they still are a little bit not damaging isn't the right word but yeah like for young people is that why you're particularly transparent to balance it to balance it out
0: it is. I do have to balance it out because that's the thing is I I still love modeling and I do a lot of bikini modeling and lingerie modeling and all that and it's still something that I really, really love um, and have a passion for. So it's finding that balance between obviously posting the raw and relatable stuff out there to look after the young girls uh, alongside my other stuff. You know, if I was just posting all of my modeling pictures then obviously I'm not putting that message out there. Totally. Um, so it's, it's about finding that balance. And, I mean, like I've definitely... People have told me before, like, maybe you should stop posting all of those kind of photos or your modeling kind of photos or all that sort of stuff. But it's a part of who I am. And to be honest, I've always really posted a bit of both from the beginning. And Mm. I think that's how my following has grown because there's people who follow me for different reasons. Um, So for me, it's important to stay true to that and stay true to myself and just
1: post a bit of everything because that's just who I am. I love that. That's, I mean, yeah, you're a model, so yeah.
4: if you didn't post them like would be like, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: we want to know, what is the one thing that you keep offline?
0: Oh, okay. Well, it's, to be honest, it's really, it's not like a particular thing like I share so much and as I said because I try and share the negative parts of my life not negative that's a bad term but like a the the down days or whatever there's not a lot that I separate and that's not for me it's not a problem because I um uh, that's I don't know it's not how I deal with it but I just I'm so used to it I suppose now um so the way that I I don't really separate Things from online, I just separate myself from being online, if that makes sense. So there's times where I obviously. Um, will decide to not share something um, and whether that's because it includes more than just myself, um, you know, it, it, it might put someone who I'm... If it's about a friend or whatever, obviously, oh. that's not up to me to share. Um, but, it's, it's yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm really... I share a lot and, and there's there's everything up there. I mean, my grandpa passed away um, a couple of weeks ago and I've been pretty... Um, sharing on that on both my snapchat and instagram and it again it's just because i'm comfortable to share that side of me um of being raw again that word um so there's not a lot but i do obviously have to separate myself from online it's not like they need to know absolutely everything in the world and um you know it's not like i constantly report how my relationship with my partner <laughs> is going or anything like that so it, yeah it, it's a little bit like that but it's not a one particular thing that I catch Separate I suppose. Right, okay. Hard to answer. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is really hard to answer. It's I like the idea that you do log off sometimes and you do take time to not be For sure. Yeah. Like do you do you, you post a fair bit, but do you scroll through the explore page and stuff? Like how do you use Instagram yourself?
0: Yeah, I mean like I uh- I obviously I post once or twice a day, um, so I'm on it. When I do that, I generally have a bit of a scroll. But to be honest, I'm on it a lot less than I used to be. I used to sit on it for god hours of the day, just kind of scrolling through. Um, But now it's more so, you know, if I if I want to check out what my friends are doing, then I'll just directly go onto their pages and scroll through. Because it's so hard these days with how the analytics and everything of Instagram how it's changed. Oh, the algorithm. I, yeah, I obviously algorithm that's the word. I I always miss like a lot of my good friends' posts now because um, I don't know Instagram decides it's something I might not want to see. So more often than not, instead of scrolling through um, my feed, it's I go onto the pages that I'm kind of interested in seeing and seeing if they've posted anything fresh. Um, and so I'm spending a little less time on it that way. But yeah. I don't know, I use, it, I use it like that. I'm rarely on the Explore page. In fact, it's really funny, the last couple of times that I've gone on the Explore page, I've noticed <laughs> that a lot of the photos are photos of wedding dresses and engagement rings. Oh. So
1: <laughs> They're on to you. I was
0: like, oh my gosh, I think I think I've been liking too much
4: this <laughs> <laughs> kind of content. I need to stop. Yeah, the score page yeah. actually is a
1: really good gauge of like what you have been interested in, even if you're not
4: sure. Yeah. It's a bit daunting. Yeah, exactly. really weird sometimes. Like I did a lot of Kardashian content, and I feel like I don't. You, that's very not on brand no, for Madison. It's very confusing, isn't it?
1: Funny. <laughs> I think it's a not subliminal. What it's like when you've got some oh, subconscious. To ego maybe mm, i don't know maybe i'm a kardashian huh? <laughs> who knows steph thank you so much for chatting to madison and i no you're welcome thanks for having me and good luck um are you gonna have a bliss ball later today
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah probably i'm going to the office today and that's the best part about having our own office space now is that we've constantly got keeper cleaner snacks available so i probably will be yeah
4: oh, a <laughs> sea of bliss balls at the office you bloody bitch
1: <laughs> Hello, how are you doing? I'm
2: good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you right now? I am in our boardroom of our office in Fitzroy, Melbourne, hanging out. Cool, cool. Listening to the echo of my own voice a little bit. Cool. (laughs) Give us a background.
1: Who are you for all the listeners listening?
2: (laughs) Who am I? Uh, I'm a girl. I just... I just want to have dinner all the time, that's who I am. (laughs) You and I both. um, Yeah, you and and me both. Uh, So I'm 29 and I've had a few businesses over the last couple of years uh, with friends. I've had a writing agency, Willow and Blake. I was one of five who started Frank Body, the skincare company. I had a cafe in Melbourne called Little Big Sugar Salt. I've written a children's book. But most importantly, in June, I launched a brand called Fluff, and that's my favourite one.
1: Right. And just for context, these weren't just small businesses. Like, they were multi million dollar, huge companies that you were part of, and you're only 29. Like, that's just wild, right?
2: It's definitely been a weird couple of years. Yep. <laughs>
1: Um, let's just, before we move on to Frank, because Frank is so exciting and I love the message that you have with that company. Let's just go back to Bod. It was the first mm-hmm. Aussie company that really proved the power of social sharing to sell a product. Would you not agree? Totally. Yeah. So can Definitely. you talk us through uh, the story of Frank and how it went sort of bananas?
2: Yeah, I think that Frank was a success for several reasons. I mean, first off, my four business partners as I, we worked really hard to build it into the company that it was. It's been five years now that Frank Body's been around. Uh, but it really was a matter of right place, right time and right product. A lot of things that were working in our favour. So we had this novelty product that no one had heard about of before. We had a really accessible price point so there weren't that many barriers to entry. And what was was the product, sorry? Oh, so for people who don't know Cookery, I'm just assuming everyone's tried it. (laughs) I have, so. Yes, Frank Body was a coffee-based skincare company. And so the first product that we released was a coffee scrub. And, yeah, at the time in 2013, nobody was doing coffee scrubs. It was very much an old wives' tale. And we gained a lot of traction on social media because we had – tens of thousands of people posting selfies covered in coffee grind.
1: <laughs> that yes. was sort of like I, I'm sure there's a lot more that went into it but I feel like that was the real thing that sort of like made it a huge company because everybody wanted to get their kid off and take a really mm. sexy picture in the shower with this scrub all over them
2: totally in so this was in 2013 and a lot has changed now I think people are actually less inclined to get their kid off on social. But that whole selfie phenomenon was just huge when we started. And because as well, like the coffee scrub was this new idea and it was quirky and a bit strange, a bit mysterious, I think people felt like that was a reason to post and a reason to be naked on a camera. It was almost like that was a little bit of a, a mask or something it wasn't as bad as being totally nude, but it was a way for people to get attention of others online. Yes, very clever. Was that, who
1: came up with that idea? Of like, who was the first person to post the selfie? Do you know?
2: So we took one of Jess, my business partner at the time. So we knew that we had to show people what this product looked like on, because again, no one had heard of a coffee scrub. Mm. And it's kind of a very strange thing to think why you would rub coffee all over your body, but it is an incredible exfoliator because of the coarseness of the grind. And so we, we couldn't obviously tell people that weren't sitting in a room what it was like or show them the product in their hands. So we knew that we had to show photos of it on people's bodies of them using it in the shower so that they could really get an idea of what they were going to be buying. And so Jess, for some reason, put her hand up to be that first person <laughs> and that started the
1: trend i guess yeah right and it was a huge trend do you know how many photos in total was there like a hashtag that you'd have them all yes.
2: under so the main hashtag that we had was the frank effect and there's definitely over a hundred thousand tags post oh my under God. That five years in yeah
1: crazy so after all of the success with frank what happened what led you to fluff which is your new company
2: Yes. So I was at Frank for about three years and it was an incredible company to be in. I learned so much. Uh, I really achieved I think everything that I wanted to from a brand perspective and my background in copywriting. So it was a huge challenge for me uh, online and offline and I picked a lot of boxes and we built that company with my other business Will & Blake to have I think 35 staff and an incredible office and it allowed me to travel a lot with work. But I just felt like something was missing and having five people run a business is also a lot of cooks in a kitchen. (laughs) And I got to a point where I had an opportunity to leave because we were asked to sign on for five years as co-founders and we were looking at an investment overseas. And it just made me sort of look down the barrel of my future and decide, is this what I really care about? Is this what I want to do with the next five years of my life or what else could I be doing? And I'd spent a lot of time in the beauty industry talking to consumers, talking to founders, talking to retailers. And I noticed that there was a gap in the industry for a cosmetics brand, especially in Australia, that merge natural products with a kind of high fashion appeal of a brand and as well as speaking to a younger audience. So, while everyone targets, say, the millennial consumer, this 18 to 35-year-old, I wanted to start talking to younger consumers, so uh, centennials or Gen Z, if you will. So, anyone between like 14 to 20, really. I find them super, super interesting. Fluff. <laughs> is a casual cosmetics company that's what we like to call it and we believe in this idea of made up not made up and what that means is that makeup is great but it's not necessary and that it's okay to get a little bit made up so long as you're still you and you're not defined by the products that you put on your face So we really want to build this awareness in girls about the distinction between them with no makeup on, with a little bit of makeup on and with a lot and really make sure that they're comfortable with all of those sides. Right. And Uh, and
1: I'm really interested about how you're marketing fluff on Instagram. What's the handle for everybody listening? Our handle is it'sall.slash. Amazing. And what you do instead of sort of a lot of beauty brands will just show their product or have influencers using their product, but you've sort of created almost a platform. Like you send out newsletters and you have um, a girl called Shelby who writes a lot of your content. Like it's not just a beauty brand. It's sort of like a content machine, if you will. Yes,
2: totally. The our sort of content platform is a huge part of the brand. And that was essentially because I I think that the beauty space is very tired and very same-same at the moment. So we like to say that we have, one, this less-is-more approach to products, um, which is why we've just started with this one and we are developing several more. But we have this general sort of fuck-you approach to the industry and that – we don't want to do the same and we don't want consumers to keep buying the same shit. We want them to start thinking about what they're buying and what they're wearing and making statements about what they care about through those purchases. So a big thing for us, I don't actually believe that the world needs more makeup. There is a shit ton out there. I think those that the world needs better makeup and better, more responsible brands. Um, so that means that we've got a really strict blacklist with our products because I want consumers to understand what's in it makeup and what they're putting on their skin and we spent about two years developing our products without things like palm oil calc and other lame ingredients because it should just be the standard in my opinion. And the hardest thing about that is we need to make these products perform as well as cus- customers are used to. So that's been really tricky, but we're really proud of the first um, product of bronzing powder that we've released. And we're developing a mascara and a lip balm and a concealer and a whole range of stuff. Um, but it takes time. Mm. <laughs> Not mm. easy. Absolutely, absolutely. Fluff is no
1: shit, is that what you'd say?
2: Pretty much. Well, that's the reason it's called fluff is that's the awareness that I want to build in consumers. This is all fluff. (laughs) Buying into this world, like literally consumerism, (laughs) it's because of marketing and advertising and gimmicks. If you can be aware of that you can make better choices I'm not saying don't participate at all that's not the conversation here it's just about thinking for yourself and making better choices right okay and
1: how do you yourself use Instagram because obviously you've made a a career out of copywriting and Mm. all of that sort of stuff how do you use it day to day
2: Well, I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram (laughs) or social media, but from a branding perspective, I use it to research the industry and our Mm -hmm. audience and the way consumers consume. I could get lost in Instagram like the vortex for hours. I find it fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, But personally, it's very much a photo album for moments in my life that I think are worth remembering and photos that... I would one day like to show my kids and that right. they could look through and say oh this is what my mum was doing at my age as opposed to oh this is what my mum's face looks like at that age, <laughs> selfie after selfie. So those kind of moments for me that are worth remembering are usually defined by a place yeah. or a person or more often than not a wine glass. <laughs> and
1: finally Erica this is the question that we ask every guest, what's the mm-hmm. one thing that you keep
2: offline? offline. So, I mean, don't hold me to this, but I keep stories off Instagram mm. and I've only ever done one, which was a drawing for Fluff. But other than that, I don't really think that people need to know what I'm doing every second, probably because it would be very boring for them to watch. <laughs> and I mean, my personal account isn't used for advertising our business. Like Fluff has its own stories and that's great. But for me, again, Instagram is a place to remember things and store photos. So story for me, it feels too temporary and I'd rather enjoy the moment than whipping out my phone every second because I'm on it enough with work and I I really think that my friends could use their better time than watching me I don't know, like eat
4: If this episode brought up any ugly feelings or you just need to have a chat with someone who gets it, you can phone Lifeline on 13 11 14, Headspace on 1800 650 890 or Beyond Blue on 1 22 46 36. You can also speak to the Butterfly Foundation, a free and confidential service which provides information, counselling and treatment referral for eating disorders, disordered eating, body image and related issues. Their number is 1-800-33-4673 or if you're using your mobile phone, 1300-ED-HOPE.
1: Next time on No Chill, we'll be chatting to someone very exciting. I have bum tingles just thinking about it. Osha Ginsberg will be joining us in the studio to divulge what goes on behind the row ceremony in the equally deep and delightful but sometimes thorny, garden of his mind.
4: If you know somebody who could really take a no-chill pill, tell them they can find us by searching for No Chill on iTunes. If you listen to this and wonder what we look like or want to know what we eat for breakfast via our Insta stories, you can follow us on Instagram. Lucinda is at Triple F-R-O-O-M-E-S. And I am Madison R Griffiths. Yes, that's with an R between my first and last name. And it's 1D in Madison. And it's 1D. Yes.
1: And if you liked this podcast or if you're one of our enemies and thought this recording was, like, really embarrassing and worth bitching about in the group chat, you got something out of it. So please give us five stars on iTunes. And as always, don't keep calm,
3: but do carry on. Goodbye. Um... Yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs>